Hi, everyone. I'm Tara Lawn. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with Dr. Paula Derlowski, clinical psychologist, social media expert, and author of the new book, Logged In and Stressed Out, How Social Media is Affecting Your Mental Health. Today, we're going to talk about pandemic loneliness among moms and offer some ways to combat this using digital resources. Hi, Dr. Derlowski. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. Can you just start by giving us a little introduction about who you are and your area of practice? Sure. Um, I am a um, psychologist in private practice in Bryn Mawr, PA, and I've been in practice for over 18 years now, uh, treating uh, adults and couples and uh, families. So that's what I do. Okay, perfect. So today we're talking about pandemic loneliness among moms specifically and strategies to combat that loneliness. So for starters, let's say there's a mom out there listening, like how how would she even know if she was lonely at this point during the pandemic? Like she has she's at home with her family, a house full of people. So how, what are some ideas that you can just give to maybe if someone's confused as if they're in that boat of loneliness? Like what are some ways you can just kind of nail that in and let us know what that looks like? That's a really great question because a lot of times people come into treatment saying they feel sad, they feel depressed, they really have a lack of um, like um, energy um, and really see changes in their sleep and their appetite. Um, and, you know, they'll come in and they'll say, I feel really anxious, I'm feeling really sad. And over time, as they talk, what becomes a parent is part of their issue or a, actually a big part of their issue is that they are actually spending time only by themselves and they actually feel very lonely and their loneliness is so tied into their um, depression. Um, so that's a really good question. And I also want to say that oftentimes depression and loneliness happen together. So what happens is when we're depressed, we have a natural um, tendency to withdraw, which creates more loneliness, which creates more depression. So it becomes a vicious cycle. Um, and when we're feeling lonely, we obviously feel depressed, which makes it harder for us to reach out and be with people and, you know, put on that kind of social face. That makes such a great sense. I have, I've never heard it put that way. So let's say there you have a mom, let's say she's experiencing those things that you just mentioned, you know, depression, loneliness, and let's say she wants to get out, like she wants to get out of that rut. And I know it's relative to every situation, but just practically speaking, like, what do you think her first course of action should be? I would say that the first course of action for a mom that is feeling this way or for anyone, actually, is to recognize and is to acknowledge what you're feeling. I mean, that really is the first step for making 
any progress towards change. We need to acknowledge, you know, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling lonely. Um, and when we do that, we are beginning to get into a place where we can do something about it. Because number one, we have a name for what's going on with us, you know, and it also helps us to be less confused about the way that we're feeling and why we're feeling the, that, that way. You know, oftentimes when we're confused, we don't know what to do. Um, so, you know, the first step is to recognize and to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and to name it. The second step would be to talk to someone about the way you're feeling, to share these feelings with a trusted friend, family member, and of course, to seek help. So let's say that same mom, okay, she's recognized this is what it is. I do need help. So let's say she's not to the point where maybe she needs to talk to a therapist or a professional about what's going on. But let's just say she's at the beginning stages where she's lonely and she wants to find ways to combat that loneliness. Uh, I know in your book, you talk about finding your e-tribe, which I, I definitely want to talk about. Can you define what that e-tribe looks like? Yeah, I mean, an e-tribe, well, actually, when I started writing the book, uh, Facebook came out with their campaign, with uh, their campaign where they were, um, where they were starting their Facebook groups, which was terrific. And they had slogans like, we're stronger to uh, gather um, you know, which is so true. And being a part of a group, whether it's online or offline, is so important to our mental health. And, you know, it's also something that we as humans, you know, are built to do, to be a part of something greater than ourselves, like family, um, community, you know, joining a church. Um, and also, being a part of a group gives us so much information about who we are, what our likes are, what our dislikes are, um, and where we fit into the world. You know, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are we good at? What are we not so great at? Um, and what can we then expect from ourselves? So I just want to say that you know, being a part of a group and is just super in, in important. Um, in regards to virtual groups, you know, right now there are just so many options. Um, and I say in my book, tips for finding your e-tribe, you know, the first step would be to take time to really self for uh, self-reflection. You know, think about and generate a list of your genuine interests and hobbies. For um, example, it could be, you know, reading, poetry, dogs, or cooking. Um, and then take the time to research virtual groups that 
actually match your, you know, interests, really kind of go online and scroll through uh, groups that would match what your interests are. Um, And then I always think it's a good idea to get a sense of the group vibe, you know, to ask yourself, like, does this group overall have a positive, warm and welcoming vibe, you know, Look at how members react and deal with unkind or um, harsh comments. And, you know, ask yourself the question, like, as you would in real life, you know, does this group reflect my core values and my principles? And then once you have a um, den once you have chosen, you know, one or two groups or maybe three, um, I say to start with only joining one or two, though, um, because, you know, you don't want to become overwhelmed by feeling stretched too thin. And, of course, to make sure that you allow yourself adequate time to really engage with your new virtual group. Um, And, you know, lastly, well, actually, second to last, I'm going to say, uh, is to be patient and give it time. You know, really be conscious of how active you are in the group. You know, you definitely, as in real life, you know, the more we put into our relationships, the more we get back. Um, and relationships our work too. So the same goes for online virtual groups. So, you know, make sure that you're active, that you're engaged. Um, And lastly, it's okay to, you know, step away if the group doesn't feel right or it's not a good match, you know, to give yourself the permission to leave a group, whether it's online or in person, that just doesn't feel right. So many of us really have issues or stay in relationships or stick to our responsibilities that really no longer feel right or are even outwardly toxic, you know, based on fears around letting go. That's great information. And are you talking specifically about Facebook? Or are you talking about any social media platform where they have these groups that people can join? Any social media platform and as well as in our real lives. Yeah, because I, as you mentioned, like I know like churches or other places of worship, you know, they, they do have groups that you can join just depending on, you know, what topic you're interested in. And um, specifically for the E-Tribe, are these video groups that you're referring to or are they just, you know, groups where you have common interests and maybe you're, you know, typing a note to someone like these are actual real connections where you're seeing someone visually? Is that what you're referring to? Um, You know, I don't know the like actual um, mechanics of each group. Um, If they, you know, have groups that have video based interactions, that would be fine, you know, if that's what somebody wants to do. But no, I mean, I'm not talking about a um, specific kind of style, uh, the way that the group meets, you know, more just about being a part of a group and, you know, just really something that I had this chapter 
in my book, um, just mainly because that's right now another way for us to um, connect. But ultimately, um, my book and I feel uh, that really we need to um, mainly work on our relationships that are in real life. And, you know, I really think that a group that you can actually go to and have in-person encounters with people is your best option. That's not to say that a virtual group cannot supplement our, you know, social networks, but certainly it shouldn't be our first one or our priorities. Right. It seems so counterintuitive to what we believed and what we've been taught. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there has to be some type of way where we can develop connections or keep connections going. So thankfully, we do have digital ways to actually do that. Right. Right. That there are digital ways for us to do that. But we still need to be mindful that our first responsibility or what we want to work towards is to nurture our in real life relationships and groups over our virtual ones. I mean, that's not to say that virtual groups are not meaningful, but they do have limitations. Um, And there's just no question that the um, connection one has, um, you know, virtually is not as rich or deep as the ones we have in real life. Right, exactly. I want to get more into your book, but I want to touch on social media just a little bit more because I know it's a slippery slope with social media and just how much time we spend on it. Do you have a recommendation just from a professional standpoint? as far as how much time we should spend on social media? And I know we're in a different time right now with the pandemic, so it may be higher than normal, but just adults, as an adult, do you have any recommendations there? Yeah, I do. You know, the first thing that I always say to those that are looking to, you know, um, to, uh, pull away from their screens, you know, where they are noticing like this is becoming a problem, um, is to really become mindful of how you're feeling before you log on, during and after. Because, you know, what's happening, I feel, and what I'm hearing a lot of is people are using social media or screen time as a way to pass the time or to do something when they're feeling bored or using it as a form of relaxation. And rarely have I ever heard anyone say, wow, you know, I feel so refreshed after I (laughs) look through social media or my Instagram uh, account. So, you know, social media and screens are not a form of self-care or a way to recharge. Um, And that's something that is so important to remind ourselves of. Um, I do think that seeing social media um, as something to schedule like you would schedule returning work emails or homework or some other task um, and putting it in that frame uh, is very helpful. Um, So I would recommend like 
three times a day, 15 minutes each, and to be super mindful of the times that you are scheduling your social media check-ins. For most people, uh, the first thing in the morning or the last thing they do at night is not the most optimal time to be checking your social media accounts. I like that you mentioned scheduling this. So I've, I've started to do that. Actually, it's, it's very helpful. Like if you schedule the time that you're actually going to be on social media, actually scheduling in general, I think it's helpful, especially for moms, like just scheduling your day in general. So you don't fall into the trap of boredom or getting off task. I think scheduling is key. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. Right. And, and, and also to be aware of that, you know, it's very easy for us all to get lost in our social media scrolling and to really lose a lot of time, you know, and in part that's because it's only human nature, you know, to be um, curious or to want to um, connect or, you know, to kind of those parts of our brain get lit up when we're scrolling through social media. Um, so it takes a lot of awareness um, of, you know, ourselves and what we're doing um, when we're on social media uh, to make sure that we're in a better place to, you know, step away from it. That's a good point. And um, can you just kind of share some negative effects of being on social media for too long? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's been a lot of research to show that social media can stir up feelings of, um, you know, um, envy, uh, low self-worth, depression. Um, there's the compare and despair uh, syndrome. Um, so this is oftentimes brought up with in people um, because, you know, social media really does have this flatness to it in that you see really two very extreme sides, I feel, of people. You know, you see the best and some people that feel able to also show the worst, meaning, you know, really difficult times that they're going through. And I don't mean the worst, meaning the worst of them, but, you know, pretty difficult parts of our lives, like the loss of a parent, a loved one, a pet, you know, going through illness, you know, this is a part of life. And, you know, that is posted as well as the other parts, which are the highlights, you know, people showcase, uh, the highlights of their life. And, you know, rarely do we see that like in between. So that can create, you know, black and white thinking, um, all or none thinking, um, all good or all bad thinking. Um, and especially when we see posts of people um, that are showing the highlights of their life. And if we're not, let's say, in a particularly great place at that moment, you know, we could be more easily disrupted or, you know, upset 
by those types of posts. So again, you know, going back to checking in with how you're feeling before logging on um, and to really see that as a form of self-care and self-protection because whether it's online or it's in real life, you know, if we're feeling at times more fragile, which we all will at points, um, that we need to protect ourselves and we need to do that um, digitally too. Right. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your book, Logged In and Stressed Out, How Social Media is Affecting Your Mental Health. Can you just highlight some other points from your book that you think might be helpful to those listening? Sure. Um, You know, a big highlight is that social media is obviously here to stay. And You know, studies are showing that the average person spends more than 10 hours a day in front of their screens. And the suicide rates are at an all-time high. And, you know, this is really very impactful. And I don't believe that, you know, social media is going away. Um, So it's really something that we're all going to need to, you know, reconcile how to use it in a balanced way. So what I, you know, my my book and what I really feel could be very helpful is, you know, again, being able to set limits to have a realistic um, perspective of uh, social media um, and to feel more in control of one's behaviors and of how often one uses social media. Okay. And just going back, because you, you brought up a good point as far as when people are on social media, you know, sometimes we see one extreme uh, to the other extreme. Do you do you think it's a good thing, like when people post about like hardships that they're going through, whether it's a death in their family or maybe they're going through depression. And I mean, I've, I've even had someone post something about, you know, they're f- feeling suicidal even on, on social media. Like, what, what do you think about that? Like when people expose themselves like that? Well, I think that that's really up to the person, you know, that if the person feels that posting and putting themselves out there in that way um, brings about the um, support that they need, then that's good information. Um, then that means that it's helpful. Um, and I personally have seen on social media um, people that have posted uh, things about themselves um, that are along those lines and have received a lot of support. So I would imagine that that's helpful. So again, you know, it really goes back to the person. If, um, at, if, you know, someone else posts, uh, a very, you know, vulnerable feeling or something that they are going through and they don't get the response that they need or that is, um, supportive, then that's good information for that person to know that, Social media is not probably going to be a place where they're going to get what they need. 
Okay. And I, I've mentioned this uh, many times on my show, but I just want to reiterate this point for those listening. Maybe they're having some mental health struggles. Just putting the digital aspect of this conversation aside, just from your professional point of view for someone listening that are having some mental health struggles, like in, in that area, like what are some ways that they can just um, get some self-care in their lives, not not including social media or any digital or virtual reality, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's hard for me to comment on, really, because, um, but just in general, you know, I would say that if somebody is struggling, that they should find a mental health professional to talk to. Um, Talking helps, um, and, or uh, to talk with a trusted friend and a family member. It's just so important to recognize that, you know, you don't have to be alone. Um, and actually that, you know, to um, perpetuate the feeling of loneliness is really only going to distance oneself from any type of a um, solution uh, to whatever is creating their uh, mental health issues. So, you know, the first step, of course, is to acknowledge that you're not feeling well um, and then to let others in. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Derlofsky, for being here today. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you? Well, thank you also for having me. Um, and people could find me um, on Facebook and my Facebook um um, account is at Dr. P. Derlofsky and um, Instagram is Paula.Derlofsky and my website is drpauladurlofsky.com. Thanks so much for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.